Are you ready to invest in yourself today? Welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. Where investment leader Billy Epperhart teaches you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom. Scripture says in Deuteronomy 8.18, Remember the Lord, your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. At Wealth Builders, our goal is to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. Now, let's join Billy Epperhart. I want to talk about 10 standards for managing properties. So we're going to talk some things about property management. Uh, and so as we, as we get started, the, the first one is what, what I call systematize your rental business. And so the reason that I, I talk about that, uh, we had one of our students that actually set up voicemail with Google Voice instead of using your cell phone. And so here, I've just got a couple of listed, but I'm going to give you some others. But for example, how a tenant contacts you, use something like a voicemail screen, a real voicemail screen, like Google Voice to help you do that. And then one of the things I'll say is don't get too close to your tenants. Now we're going to talk about how we bless tenants sometimes at Christmas time and other things, but I'm talking about systematizing your rental business. Everything, anything and everything that you can systematize, you do it. For example, and I'll refer, reference this a little bit later, but I want to give it to you now. One of the things that I learned to do going in and had all of our property managers do is we had that repair list that I mentioned to you under the 14 mistakes. And it basically, you walk them through the house, you actually take pictures and show how everything in the house is fixed, everything's ready to go. And then if you, for example, you have a broken shade or or something happens, then you already on that list have how much the repair is going to cost ahead of time. So if the shade is broken, it costs this much. If this is broken, and there's a whole list of things, which by the way, you can get that list that we used if you just want to go ahead, meaning because you, you paid to be here in the workshop, we'll just send that out to you free. But everything you can do from screening your tenants to actually walking through the house with the tenants, to rent collection, everything you do should be systematized. So you need to think in terms of system. And I'll borrow what Mike, uh, what Mike Davis just said, that we're not trying to be car salesmen, but I do have a program called Organizational Mastery, where we talk about systems, policy, and procedures. And all of that also, of course, applies to real estate as well, but we'll send you the forms we have. So if you'll write us, it's free. We're not asking. We'll just send it to you. We'll send it as a digital attachment. Then the next one, of course, which we have talked about is screen your tenants. So when we're actually talking about screening your tenants, what happens is, is that it helps eliminate, for example, a bad tenant. That's where we talk about go see where they live. If you can, call the two previous landlords or have somebody else do it. If you can't, make sure that you're using a detailed rental application. You, and you, and I, this is the one I don't like to not do. I like to always go see where they live or have my managers go see where they live. And then make sure you check all references thoroughly. I remember one time I had a tenant who, uh, who was going to pay a really kind of a premium rent 
and uh, this is, a, I don't know if this is funny or it's owe me, but he was going to pay a, rent, a premium rent. And on the application, we asked, detailed application, what they did for a living. And uh, remember, I'm using a property manager. But I looked at the actual rental application and I told the property manager, because as a landlord you can do this, I just simply say, no, I don't want to rent to him. And later, I don't, I don't feel like they're qualified based on the application. I have every right to do that as a landlord. But later, a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, oh, I'd say it's at least two months later, the property manager came back to me and he said, Hey, Billy, he said, I want to ask you a question. He said, you remember that guy that you didn't approve? You just said you're not going to approve him. You didn't tell me why. You just said you didn't want to approve him. I said, yeah. He said, you know, I actually rented him a house that somebody else owned. And he said, you would not believe the problems we're having. He said, in fact, I've already started eviction. It's only been two months. And I said, really? I, he said, come on now. He said, how come you didn't rent to him? I said, well, I'm not discriminating against bail bondsmen, but I know that a bail bondsman knows the legal ins and outs of renting, and if he wants to cheat the system on the legal system, he more than likely knows how to do it, and I didn't want to take that risk. Well, sure enough, he went and rented another property that this property manager managed, and that's what he was doing was trying to cheat the system. That's kind of instincts that you develop, but you've got to have a detailed rental application in order to see that, and then make sure you check all references. We're talking about these systems and screening your tenants. And then I've said this now for the third time in this particular workshop, credit report and look and run a criminal background check as well. Uh, and then I like to say this, use a printed lease that complies with your state laws. And I'm telling you this because sometimes you want to be able to make sure you know what you can and can't do. Every state sometimes and most states have a little bit different nuance when it comes to landlord-tenant relationships. So make sure, so we have a printed lease we'd be happy to send you that we'll talk about here in a second that is more rent due and payable, uh, say for example, on damages in the next month. Some states don't allow that, but most states do. Then also make sure we're talking about systems and screening tenants. Make sure you address any delinquent rents immediately and make sure there's a late fee. Mike Davis, who's of course you've been listening to, he, he's so funny, he was talking about how that uh, he had a property that rented for about $1,000 a month and his late fee, that's basically after the fifth of the month because your rent's due on the first and it's later than the fifth, then it's a $75 late fee. And what was funny was this tenant had been late like 12 months in a row, but every month he paid the $75 late fee. And Mike was complaining to one of our mutual friends that we both have as a friend. And he said, Mike, I don't get it. He said, are you missing the point? You're making an extra $75 a month on the rent. So the point is, though, you've got to have the late fees and make sure you address it and enforce any policies that are happening immediately. And then I always like to say you require security deposit on the first and the last month's rent. That's really important uh, that you think in those terms. And so I like to have the first and last month's rent. Sometimes in lower income, uh, in, in lower income areas, you can do half of a first month and then the last month's rent. But, but most of the time, you would do first and last month's rent. And then you complete a statement of condition. And this is what I'm telling you that we'll send to you 
We'll send it to you free. It's a statement of condition, and you can do it with a video on your phone to show this is the condition of the property when I've shown it to you. So if there's any kinds of damages that are in the property, then you, on this statement of condition that they sign before they ever move in, then it has the price list of what it costs for damages. That's a great thing to do. Now, this is one that, that we try to teach a lot, and that is check the property once a month, and that's really a critical. Now, I want to talk, whoop, sorry about that. I want to talk about that for just a second on check the property. One of the things that you want to do, and I mentioned this again under 14 mistakes, you want to go in and look at the property um, and if it's, if it's not going to be, your manager would go in, check the batteries on the smoke detectors and the fire alarms, which are required in property, or you can check the HVAC filters, that's air conditioning and heating filters. You can check those, and while you're in there, you're actually looking at the outside and the inside of the property. Uh, and then, of course, we have down here charge the late fee, which I just told you about. Number three, this is, this is, uh, this is critically important where you can do this in a state to make damages uh, rent due and payable the very next month. So there's two ways you do this. One is if you have damages, you can pull, that's tenant responsible damages. You can pull that out of the, the, the security deposit, make sure you check your state law, but then you can also make the cost of the damage rent due and payable at the first of the month. So if the damage was $125, to get it fixed on that agreement you had ahead of time, you can make that rent due and payable the very next month. You get, and they pay that 125, for example, extra with the rent. If they don't do that, you can actually, in many states, you can actually start an eviction process because it's rent due and payable. It's not just damages. So that's real, that's real important for you to know. Make sure you check your state laws to be able to know what you can put in there. On the background checks, we were talking about this previously, but do credit, criminal, employment. And that's credit and criminal we've already talked about. But on the employment check, this is really critical. If you're going to check tenants, uh, you know, we talk about checking their credit. That's, and usually what you're doing is you're pulling their credit score, but their employment is, is really important because, because what happens is if you find somebody, let's say, that's been in a job for two years or more, what happens there in that situation, most of the time, they would, not all the time, but most of the time, they would be considered to be fairly reliable. So if you check credit, criminal employment, and they have a good employment history, then typically they would probably be good people to rent to. Then I call it reward good tenants. And I used to do this a lot, especially with single moms or, uh, yeah, single moms, uh, who, who were in our houses is that if they paid on time, they paid their rent on time, and uh, it was just what I call the normal repairs were low. In other words, they were taking care of the property, right? Then what I would do is I would give them a Christmas bonus. And in some instances, not in every instance, but in some instances, I gave them the entire month of uh, Christmas, the rent free. I just gave it to them. One reason was I was making good money on the rents. The second reason helped bless them at Christmas time to have that extra money. Now, times when I didn't give the rent and they were doing these things, I would go buy gift cards and actually give them a gift card of $100, $200, sometimes 
$300. In some instances, I would give $500 gift cards where they could buy their family Christmas. And so the point is you want to reward good tenants. We're talking about here property management and we're covering some of those things. And so you want to, you want to reward the good tenants. And then this is that inspect properties once a month and a quarter. And the reason I went in and added this over and above what was in the other one is I wanted to see the once a quarter and I want to make a distinction. If you own quite a few properties, you need your property managers scheduling. But even if you have 100 properties, for example, single family properties, if, uh, if you get to 100, most of the time you'll want to go into them once a year personally. Uh, if you own 30 properties, you may want to go in it once a quarter. But your property managers are still, because you have a group of property managers, they're going in once a month, checking the smoke detectors and other things to kind of see what was happening. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you this about going into properties. I have a, I have a relative, I'll just say that, who I told uh, about this particular secret about actually getting in and checking smoke detectors. And actually, I'll just tell you, it was my niece and nephew. And so they bought two pretty nice homes and uh, in an area that they wanted to use as rental property. And I told them, you know, be careful who, make sure you're screening the tenant well before you do it. And then I said to them, make sure you go in the property if you own two. So go in once a month, check and tell them you're going to come in like on the first Thursday or the first Tuesday of the month. Every month they know when it's going to be. Uh, some state laws don't allow you to show up unexpected. So if you put it in the lease and in the agreement that you're going to come in once a month on the first Thursday, whatever, at 10 a.m., um, then, then typically you can do that. So I told them to do that. And so they did. And uh, so they went in once a month. About the second month, they went in to expect. I got a phone call, and uh, they, they called me Uncle. Uncle! And they called me Billy Wayne. Uncle Billy Wayne, you're not my, you know, my middle name's Wayne. If you're on the South, your first name is two names, right? Billy Wayne. And so they said, Uncle Billy Wayne. They said, uh, uh, you're not going to believe this. We went into the house, and it was this couple living in it. And then we looked and had four bedrooms in this house. All the bedrooms had mattresses on the floor. What does that mean? And I said, well, it either means they're subleasing uh, to some other people or there's something that's illicit going on uh, with all those mattresses on the floor. I said, it could be drug things, whatever it is. But I said, whatever it is, it's not right and it's, it's violating the lease. And so you need to put a no trespass on any of the people that are in the property and then tell them if they're not, if they're not, uh, abiding by the terms of the lease, you're going to begin an eviction process. And of course, you're, you know, you need to have that clear that you're going to come in and inspect. So they went in once a month and inspected because they only owned two properties and they discovered this and it saved them an enormous amount of headache because of that. Uh, then number seven is what I call paying too much for repairs. We're talking about property management and the 10 standards. And so when you talk about uh, paying too much for property for repairs, you got to use a handyman, handyman. Now, I tell the story about I learned this the hard way. When I first started investing, I actually made a pretty good deal on a property, meaning I bought it right, I rented it right. And I remember that, um, and this was in an, because uh, I own most of our properties were actually out of state. And by the way, I recommend that 
for most of you, you don't live more than an hour from the properties you're investing in uh, when you first get started. Once you, once you begin to develop uh, your systems and you learn how you may can start looking at some of the better places to buy in the country that maybe your area doesn't fit. But the reason I share that with you is I had this, the toilet that got fixed and I got this receipt that came in and it cost $125 to have this toilet fixed. And so I looked at the receipt closer and I saw the parts on there and it was the little flapper stopper that, you know, when you raise it to flush a, a toilet and then it comes back down, it was just the flapper, not the chain, not just the flapper. So I went to Home Depot, actually in that area, I think I went to Lowe's and I looked at it and I think that part cost me like three bucks. I went and bought, I bought the chain and the flapper. It cost me like three bucks. And I went in and, and I looked and compared the same flapper, same everything in this house. And I paid $125 because the property manager was using what I call a retail service person to fix it. You've got to find handymen that'll go buy the stopper for three bucks and maybe charge you 30 bucks to go fix it. Now you're at $33 or $53, whatever it is, but that's a lot different than 125 bucks for just putting a flapper in a commode. So that's a key thing to know is that make sure, we talked about having a good system and we talked about a good contractor, but you also need a good repair person that can fix your property at true handyman prices. And believe me, that may not sound like a big deal until you have to start paying some time for repairs. And it, believe me, it's critically important. We hope you learned something of lasting value today from this Wealth Builders podcast. If you'd like any tools, teachings, or resources mentioned in the podcast, you'll find them online at wealthbuilders.org. Wealth Builders exist to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. The Wealth Builders Podcast is produced by Celine Williams with music by Audio Jungle and narration by Greg Hunter. Wealth Builders is a nonprofit organization. We depend on your donations to keep this podcast running. Please consider donating to us on wealthbuilders.org.